Open in the scriptures, please, with me this evening to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Last week, we talked about faith in the power of God last Friday. And we talked about healing power. And we had a healing line. And we had healings. You know, I had a fellow got upset with me one time years ago. Wasn't the last one, but he said, we don't believe in all that healing stuff, all that miracle stuff like, like y'all do. He said, our preachers never preach any of that stuff. And uh, I said, do you ever have any of it? He said, no, we don't believe in it. I said, isn't that interesting? Y'all don't preach it? Y'all don't believe it? And you don't have it. We preach it. We believe it. And I pointed out, sir, there's books full of testimonies right there of people testifying that they've been healed by the power of God. Well, Jesus said these signs follow who? Not the ones that don't believe in it. If you don't believe in it, you won't be bothered with it. Am I talking to some believers, though, in here by the Internet, Sarasota? Believers, right? Believers. And so we talked about the power of God and faith in the power of God. And I thought maybe it would just be a healing service for that night. But um, as I sought the Lord about tonight, I realized I'm not through talking about that. We're not through with that. So it may be a two-part series. <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> it could be a 20-part for all I know, right? But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So whether it's two or 20, we need to go till we get done, till we get through. And then uh, on this passage, we looked in the second chapter of 1 Corinthians, but I want you to back up into the first chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let's release our faith. You know, you're not limited to what I know or what I can do. Somebody say, thank God. (laughs) But the Spirit of God can speak through me or whoever would be ministering at the time. But he can also speak directly to you while the ministry is going forth, right? But release your faith that you hear from him. I'd be so bold as to say this. If you don't hear from him in here tonight, it's your own fault. Yeah, that's true. You know, if I never tried to preach the truth, if I never opened the Bible and read a verse, it might be different. But we are already looking at the Word. And we're going to read the Word. We're going to talk about the Word. And the Spirit of God is here. If nothing else, you could hear from him if I was wrong about something. Right? If you well, I don't agree with that. Well, if it's true that I was missing on something, the Spirit of God would show you why. You could still hear from Him. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're hoping that's not the case. <laughs> but any, anybody could make a mistake. But I'm just saying there's no reason why you shouldn't hear from Him right here, right now, tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, we release our faith. And we're asking you for utterance, for the anointing, eyes, ears, and heart and mind that can see, hear, 
discern, understand, receive. We're asking you for answers to questions that have been bothering people. We're asking you for solutions to problems and, and direction and light for the next steps, the next parts of the plan. We're asking you for it. We know it's your will. We believe we receive it by faith. We say by your help we'll be doers and not hearers only. And we will be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So be it. Thank you, Lord. In 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, the Spirit of God through Paul, in verse 18, he said, The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us, which are saved, it is the power of God. (laughs) The preaching of the cross, the gospel, is the power of God. Is the power of God. How many understand there's a connection between the Word of God and the power of God? Everything God made by His power, He made by the agency of His Word. He spoke, and it was. So this tells you something here. Man, there's so much light in every word and every phrase. But what if somebody thinks the gospel and the word of God is just dumb and foolish? They just revealed that they are perishing. They're on their way to destruction. Sad. They think they're so smart and maybe mocking us that we're just poor, ignorant folk that need the crutch of religion. But for people who have some understanding, they just got through telling you, I'm on my way to destruction. I'm perishing. Not the will of God. It's not His will that any should perish. But how many in here have a small opinion of the Word of God or think it's foolishness? Or how many in here think the gospel is the power of God? It's the power of God. It's the power of God. Under salvation to everybody that believes. Mm. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. The gospel is the greatest. It is the power of God. Under salvation to everyone that believes. You believe? Then you're not perishing. <laughs> you don't think this book is dumb. <laughs> I heard a fellow the other, the other day on the news was talking about he'd come to the conclusion he had proof positive that Jesus never existed. Really? Is that right? How could he have proof positive? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the records from those times... Many of them are just non-existent. And yet he's sure. Jesus don't even exist. What did he just tell us? I'm perishing. I'm lost. On my way to destruction. It's pitiful. He thinks he's so smart. Oh, he's got degrees. He's been to school. It's pitiful. I said it's pitiful. How many believe it's, it's pitiful? It's sad. Aren't you glad you're not in darkness tonight? Your mind is not befuddled and confused like that. Thank God for your mercy. 
that we know the truth about you. Hallelujah. He said, verse, skip down to verse 21. After that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching, that's what men call it, to save them that believe. Whether folks think so or not, we need preachers. And we need preaching. It is the way God has ordained that people get saved. Anybody in here saved tonight? Come on, let me see. How did you get saved? You heard something. You heard something. You believed it. You acted on it. That's why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring that good news. Hallelujah. God has ordained that it happened through what the world counts utter foolishness. But it's not foolishness. It's the power of God. It's the power of God. Verse 22, and I want you to notice, for the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. He mentions two groups of people. The Jews, which were God's people and supposed to be God's people, are seeking after a miraculous sign. They want to see something supernatural, he said. They want to see something spectacular, something not natural. But the Greeks, they're educated beyond all that. <laughs> Sounds like some other folks, don't They're seeking after wisdom and knowledge and understanding and deep thought and in-depth speculation and consideration and reasoning and logic. They want you to dazzle them with your intellect. <laughs> Are those two groups still in the earth? Oh, yeah. There's a group not looking for miracles. They're looking for knowledge and wisdom. And there's a group that's not looking for knowledge and wisdom. They're looking for power manifested. It depends on where you go in the world. You go, you go to a university town, what are you probably going to hear about the knowledge and the wisdom? You go to a tribe in Africa that's grew up with witch doctors. Come on, are you listening? What are they going to want to see? They want to hear you give a fancy speech? No. We know that which doctor, what's his name, can put the hoodoo on you. <laughs> Show us what you got, right? And there's, there's people who don't even believe in that. But people that have grown up around groups of people who do believe in the supernatural know it's a reality. They know it. But people who didn't, they've been convinced by the enemy that there is no devil. And there's no God, there's no spirit, there's no angel, and they live in that delusion. Two groups. He went on to say, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks. Is that you? Anybody called in here? Christ is the power of God, and Christ is the wisdom of God. You needing some wisdom? Jesus is it. You looking for some power? Jesus is it. 
He is the wisdom. And he is the power. And the gospel is all about him. Oh, somebody say glory to God. He said, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. I mean, the weakest thing God comes up with blows men what they call strong away. You see, you're calling, brethren, how not many wise after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. God's chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and he's chosen the weak things of the world to confound the mighty. Hallelujah. Now skip on down to chapter 2. He continued, Paul said, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Somebody say, demonstration, say it with me, demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Need to say it another time or two. Demonstration of the Spirit and of power. One more time. Demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Does the Spirit of God demonstrate things well that's what a sign is a sign is a demonstration a manifestation a demonstration and of power Paul was an educated man he grew up at the feet of Gamaliel who was the foremost authority on the law in his area in, in his region where they lived and grew up. And uh, so he was very studious for many years. But he found out when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. And he saw a light from heaven. Hallelujah. And he fell in the middle of the road. And said, Lord, what would you have me to do? He come to realize it was about more than just a head full of stuff. It was, there was more reality than just books and endless study and learning and endless teaching. There is the reality of the person of the Holy Spirit. There is the reality of the presence of the Almighty. There is the reality of the power of God. And he said, when I came to you, when I came to Corinth, and I preached to you, I was not relying on my education, or my ability as a speaker, or how much I knew. I was counting on the Spirit of God to show up and demonstrate what we're talking about. <laughs> I was counting. I was relying on the power of God to manifest and confirm the word I was preaching. Read the next verse. Why? That or in a, he did, I did that in order that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. 
but in the power of God. Every child ought to have the, the opportunity and the privilege of growing up in a home where the Spirit of God is manifested. And coming to church in a church where the Spirit of God is manifested in the children's classes and in, in the services and on the grounds. So that when they get old enough and people begin to ask them at school and then later at college, you know, about what they believe about this God, they do not just start spouting off about what their preachers teach and believe. Come on, are y'all with me? They do not just make vague references to I grew up such and such faith. No, they should have had multiple encounters with the Spirit of God, with the power of God, born again by the power of God, filled by the Holy Spirit, healed many times through their life by the power of God, delivered and helped and quickened many times, many times, many times. So that then they're not talking about some abstract theory of religion and belief. They're able to be a true witness of what they themselves have experienced in the Lord. So then their faith is not in the wisdom of men in their denomination, in their church, their pastors, or their parents. What my parents know and believe. No, their faith is in the power of God that they have personally experienced. Hallelujah. You believe it? Nobody can take that away from you. Nobody can take that away from you. Place after place where God's ministered to me in my life. Personally. You can't tell me that didn't happen. I was there. It happened to me. Things that happened to me. And thank God. Nobody has to be relying on second-hand experience. Nobody has to be, that their faith in God is based on what they heard somebody else say. They knew about God. That's what Paul is saying. But the Spirit of God through him is saying that uh, you're, I didn't want your faith in what I know or what anybody knows. I want your faith to be direct. In the power of God. Hallelujah. Do you have faith? In the power of God? Would you like to know more? Would you like to experience more? We touched on this uh, last week. That second, don't turn there, but 2 Timothy 3, 5, it says that a group of people would have a form of godliness, but they would deny the power thereof. And he said, from such, turn away. Don't hook up with folks that want to deny that the power is real. In Hebrews 6, 5, we touched on last week, that talked about people tasting the good word of God and, what does that mean, and? And also tasting the powers of the world to come. Now many Christians in our circles 
Man, they immediately agree about tasting of the good word of God. Oh yeah, let's go to the meeting. Let's go to the conference and let's get some good word and let's feed on the good word of God and let's taste the good word. Well, yeah, but that's not all there is. You're supposed to taste the word and taste the power. Can you get a taste of what's coming in the world to come? Yes, sir. You can. You can. Now, now we're going to have to walk by faith. We're not going to see everything and experience everything in this life that's coming later. But the Bible talks about getting an earnest of our inheritance. Getting a first fruits. Getting a taste. A taste of what's to come. That's not mental. That's experiential. That's not knowledge. That's not understanding. That's experience. Tasting of the powers of the world to come. Now as you begin to talk about it, some, some folks might say, well, I mean, I, I don't know that I've experienced any. You probably have experienced more than you're acknowledging. And yet, the key factor in experiencing more is your faith. Amen. How much you believe in it. I mean if your mind. And the jury's still out. As to how real these things are. Then it's not going to be real to you. You're not going to experience it. But. When you get persuaded. I said when you get persuaded. And you quit doubting it. You quit trying to take it all apart. Figure it all out. How many understand. It's not likely. You're going to understand too much. Of God's power that created the universe. Right now. How much of that are you likely. To fully understand. But. You don't have to understand it. To believe it. Nor do you have to understand it. To experience it. You can experience some things. You don't have a clue. What just happened. But you can be so thrilled about it. You want it to happen again. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr. used to say as a little boy. He could not figure out. How that a brown cow. Would give white milk. And you churn it. And make yellow butter. He tried to figure that out. And couldn't put it together. And yet, all the while he's trying to figure it out, he's enjoying the milk. And he's eating the butter. Do you have to understand something to enjoy it? No, no, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have to understand how the blood of the lamb cleansed and washed you from sin to be clean. You don't have to understand how Jesus was raised from the dead for you to believe that you'll be raised from the dead. You don't have to understand that. Understanding is not the same thing as faith. Faith is a choice. A choice to believe. When people say, I I just can't believe that. That's a lie. You could believe it if you would choose to believe it. You choose not to believe it. There's no such thing as a person that can't believe it. You're just choosing not to. Aren't you glad you chose to believe Jesus? You chose to believe the gospel. Somebody say, I choose to believe. I I choose to believe. believe. Hallelujah. Look with me at a couple of other verses here 
1 Corinthians 4.19, you don't necessarily have to turn to these, just some things I'll get you to turn to, others not as important that you do. He said, I'll come to you shortly if the Lord will and will know not the speech of them that are puffed up, but to power. Verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not in word, or some translations say talk, but in what? In power. There's much more to the things of God than talk. There's much more to God than talk. There's power. In 1 Thessalonians 1.5, 1 Thessalonians 1.5, he said, Our gospel came not to you in word only, but in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. As you know what manner of man we were among you for your sake. It came in power. Romans 15 says a similar thing. Romans 15, 18, he says, I dare not speak of those things which Christ has not worked by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem round about into Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. When the word, God's real word, goes forth by the anointing, by faith, there's supposed to be And there will be, if people believe it, confirmation of the word with signs following. If you preach on the new birth and it's real and it's right and somebody believes it, how many know what will happen? If somebody believes it and responds, there will be new births. Every time. You preach on healing and deliverance. And if it's right, and you and it's the word, and somebody believes it and acts on it, what will you have? You will have healings and deliverances. If you preach on the goodness of God and the abundance and his word and sowing and reaping, and people believe it and people act on it, what will you see? You'll see manifestations of his goodness and abundance. Every area of his word works the same way. But if you don't believe in it, which a lot of people, they believe in coming and hearing some words. But if any power starts manifesting, ooh, that's spooky. And folks deny it. Now, don't misunderstand me. You got people that get in the ditch on the other side and they think, well, man, yeah, I ain't going to a place that's dead. I'm going to have I'm gonna power. And they got something wild going on all the time. And it's 98.8% flesh. Mm-hmm. And sometimes wrong spirits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just because you got something happening doesn't make it God. And even if it's spiritual, it can be spiritual. And it can be real. But that doesn't make it God. A whole lot of it is flesh. And yet people get scared of that. And so they get in the ditch on the other side. Where we don't want anything happening. Nothing. Except we think. We talk. We go. That's interesting. And we go home. Everything's neat. And packaged. But if you read the gospel accounts. There's stuff happening. Is that right? If you read the book of Acts, 
Man, there are healings, there are miracles, there are signs. Is that right? There are wonders. Do we have the same Jesus? Do we have the same gospel? Do we have the same Holy Spirit? Then why wouldn't we have the same manifestations? The same demonstrations of the power of God. Somebody say, I believe it. I believe, I have faith in the power of God. Now go with me to Ephesians 6 and let's start a little closer to home about faith in the power. Ephesians 6. We've been looking at this on Sunday morning, talking about fighting the good fight of faith. But it's another aspect of this. In Ephesians 6.10, what does it say? Finally, my brethren, do what? Be Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The Amplified says, be strong in the Lord, be empowered through your union with Him, draw your strength from Him, the strength which His boundless might provides. Is there power in you? Back up to the third chapter of this same book, Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3 and 20. 3 and 20. He says, now unto him that is able to do what? Exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And thousands of Christians stop right there. They put a period there. Don't they? God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Period. That's not a period. That's not the whole verse. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. How does he do it? According to the power that's where? Where? Working in us. If it's working in us, it must be in us. How can power be working in you if there's ain't no power in you? If power's working in you, then power is in you. I said power is in you. Power's in you. That's why he said, be strong. How? In the Lord and in the power of his might. Very important that we get this straight. The Lord corrected me twice on this this afternoon. At first, I, I, I was going to, you know, they always want a title at the back. Now, I don't usually give it to them till late because a lot of times I don't know. And the title was The Power in You. And the Lord had already corrected me one time earlier. He said, no, I said, my power in you. He's corrected me twice today about that. And I know I begin to understand why. It's not my power that I have in me. And you don't just want to use a generic term, the power in me. It's what? Come on. It's his power in me. Is he in you? Yes. Well, then that's why his power is in you, because he goes nowhere without his power. Yeah. 
Does he? Can't say God's here, but he's uh, left my power at home. I'm here, but sorry, I didn't bring my power today. No, if he's there, his power is there. He goes nowhere without his power. Is he in you? Is he in you? Is he in you? Now we're getting on it. Can you tell? Can you, can you feel? What are you sensing? Why are more people at that particular moment going, yeah, glory to God. Yeah, yeah. Why? That's a manifestation of some power. I didn't do that to you. That's something happening in you. You're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that is right. That's happening in you. Because he's in you. And cause his power is in you. I'm feeling some power. Right now. Woo. Boy, I enjoyed last Friday night, the healing anointing. Man, I, ooh, I, I enjoyed that. There were times the power was really good and strong. Now, I know it can be a whole lot stronger than that, but it was good and strong. I'm believing you and I, the Lord's bringing us into a, a season and a place where he's turning up the power. Now, we hadn't been waiting on him. Don't, don't misunderstand. He's helping us. Why would we be preaching on it? Why would we be preaching on the power? Faith comes by hearing. Is that right? And so if he can get our faith in the power to come up a notch or three. What are you going to see? You're going to see demonstrations and manifestations of the power come up a notch or three. But the Lord dealt with me tonight. We need to work on his power in us. His power in me. His power in me. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. But it's not separated from us. People, that's why people quit quoting the verse in the middle. And try to leave it all up to God. He's able to do it. But see then that, that puts, there's no responsibility on us. It's just he's able to do it. No, he does it. According to the power working in us. More power working in us, more beyond what we asked or thought happening. Less power working in us, less of beyond what we asked or thought happening. He's able to do exceeding. That's not just a little bit. That's a lot. That's way. Way above and beyond. All we ask or think. But it's not disconnected from us. It happens according to. Does that sound like there's a connection? According to. The power that works in us. But a big step in the right direction is just acknowledging I have power. His power. Y'all help me with this so it'll get in trouble again. <laughs> if you hear me say something else, correct me. Just speak right up and go, His power, His power. 
His power. His power that's working in us, in me. In me. Somebody say in me. His power working in me. Go to 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, please. 2 Corinthians 4. Oh, this is good. I'm happy about this. Thank you, Lord. Silly me. Thought I was through talking about the power of God. <laughs> How are we going to have faith in the power? Unless we hear about it. Last week we saw Jesus, we have reason to believe, many places that he went, he would take the same text in Isaiah. And he would read and it would say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And he would talk about the anointing. Hallelujah. And in different words, he would say, the anointing is here. The power is here. It's coming to pass today, now. So much so that when he got through preaching, people wanted to touch him. They wanted him to touch them. Is that right? Why? Because they believed the anointing and power was there. They had faith in the power from hearing Jesus preach about the power. You're not going to believe in it if you hadn't heard it. You're not going to hear it unless there was some anointed teaching and preaching about it. That's what Romans says. So, we're hearing about the power. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. Well, let me me read verse 6 with it. God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined where? We're learning more and more about light. How many understand light is power? Is that right? I mean, anybody got any solar powered anything at the house? We're hearing there's going to be more and more and more stuff solar powered. Because, you know, it's wonderful. Light is energy, is power. We're just barely scratching the surface of what that means. You know why? God is light. (laughs) And the light, God who in the beginning commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts. Well, if God shined in your heart, what came in your heart? He shined in your heart. Light beams, which are energy beams, which are power beams, shined where? Didn't say in your head. In your heart. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You suppose any power is connected with all that? Uh He is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Keep reading. Verse 7. But we have this treasure. What treasure? This light. This light which is life. Which is power. Which is truth. Which is God. We have it in this not so spectacular looking clay pot. But don't be fooled by the book's cover. There's something amazing inside of us believers. The world doesn't see it, doesn't know it. Most Christians don't know it, don't believe it. But God's helping us. We're becoming, right now, we're becoming more aware of what's in us. 
That light has shined in my heart, in your heart. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the of the of the power may be of God and not of us. That's why we need to keep saying it's His power, but it's in us. (laughs) Say that loud. His power power is in me. His power is in me. It's not my power. It's his power. But it's in me. It's in me. Oh, if we found out what's in us, we're finding out. We're making some progress right now. Listen to some other translations of this verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 7. The complete Jewish says, we have this treasure in clay jars so that it'll be evident that such overwhelming power comes from God and not from us. King James said excellency of the power, but most translations talk about it being surpassing or amazing, overwhelming. Well, it's the same power that created the universe. So it's, it's quite something. It's quite powerful, right? <laughs> and, it, and, and it's where? <laughs> Overwhelming power. Didn't come from us. Came from God. But it's in us. <laughs> the NIV says all surpassing power. The easy to read said amazing power. Oh, somebody say glory to God. The Weiss translation says it like this. We have this treasure in earthenware containers. (laughs) I think of Tupperware every time I see that. (laughs) In order that the super excellence of the power might be from God as a source and not from us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A little bit later, he says that the life of Jesus might be clearly and openly shown in our body. Then he talks about Jesus being raised from the dead and us having a part of that. We're going to read more about that in just a minute. But this power that he's talking about is creation power and resurrection power. It's God's power. And it's in us. And you might think, well, why, if this is true, why have so many lived such powerless lives? Don't believe it. People don't believe it. They don't think about it. They don't talk about it. When they need something, they don't go to it. They don't rely on it. They depend on what they know, what they can do, and don't tap into this. And all of us have come way short in tapping into this. Anybody that has seen some good things happen tapped into it a little bit. (laughs) And you can start tonight becoming more God inside minded. Becoming more aware of who's in you and what's in you. Hallelujah. 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 Somebody say hallelujah. 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 
You need some more scriptures. I said you need some more scriptures. About what's in you. About who's in you. Glory. Go to Romans the 8th chapter please. Uh, I tell you what. Let's do it another way. Let's work our way there. Go to Galatians, the second chapter. I want to give you a little extra scripture tonight. I want you to have a firm foundation. Is this true or is this not true? If it's true, it'll be confirmed in multiple witnesses. Is that right? Multiple scriptures throughout the Word of God. You'll keep seeing it. You'll keep seeing it. You'll keep seeing it. If it is true, we need to lay hold of it with both arms. Is that right? And not let it get away from us. See, the Bible talks about somebody that's a hearer but not a doer. It's like somebody that looks in a mirror and they see the reflection but immediately turn and forget what they saw. And in times like this, you and I can be more in the spirit than we realize we are. You're seeing things. You're getting things. You don't have to be in a trance to be more in the spirit. And yet, it can be so real to you in here, you can get so excited, and yet you go back uh, home, and you go back on the job, and by Wednesday, a problem pop up, and the first thing that jumps to your mind is not the power that's in you. But it's easy to just slide back into what I don't know, and what I can't do, and how weak I am, and I just don't know what we're going to do, and talk unbelief. And only be aware of weak flesh and feeble mind. Come on, are y'all with me? You understand? And other people and their limitations and frustrations and problems. And that's how you stay stuck in the flesh. Even though we've got this treasure. I said we've got this treasure inside us. How many thinks the treasure needs to be let out more? It needs to be, needs to be released and let out and tapped into and accessed. Whew. What did I say? Galatians? Galatians 2 and 20. Some of these verses you maybe you've known, you might have marked, but it's not the ones you got marked that will help you out. It's the ones you believe. And it's the ones you act on. And how can you tell if you're believing one? You get excited about it. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. Come on, somebody said out loud. But Christ lives in me. Is he in you? Is he living in you? He's certainly not dead in you. He's alive in you. He's living in you. And the life which I now live in the flesh, in this body, in this world, I'm not living it, we could say, just by the impulses and limitations of the flesh. I live it by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Somebody say, Jesus is in me. Christ the anointed one. See, why would he say, we talked about this before, sometimes it just says Jesus, sometimes it says, just says Christ, sometimes it says Jesus Christ, sometimes it says Christ Jesus. There's a reason why. Christ is emphasizing his anointing. Jesus is emphasizing his humanity. 
They're different emphasis. He just says Christ. What's he talking about? He's talking about the power. Talking about the anointing. Say it out loud. The anointed one is in me. Christ lives in me. Is he there without his anointing? Is he there without his power? So then the power is in you. Because he's in you. He's in you. His anointing's in me. Even little ones, our little children, they get born again, and they'll point and say, I have Jesus in my heart. And we go, well, that's cute. It's a lot more than cute. And some way or another, that reality has not developed as people get older and as they walk with the Lord. And you'll see Christian after Christian begging and trying to reach God in heaven, trying to get God to come down. And move from some far distant planet. And yet Romans says. This word of faith that Paul said the spirit of God gave him. It's not to preach you have to climb the highest mountain. And go up to heaven and get Christ to come down. Or go down to the deepest recesses and get him to come. He said it's close. It's near. It's in your heart. Hallelujah. And in your mouth. He's in you. He's in you. The more you start thinking about it and talking about it, the more he manifests. And the more you begin to experience, he really is here. He really is. He's with us all the time. Every day, every night, everywhere. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He's with us. We haven't experienced the degrees of his presence that are possible, but he's with us. How many would say you have, you have experienced his presence at times? You know, you sensed his peace. You sensed his life. You sensed his joy. You sensed his peace. He's there. He's not there in a diminished capacity. He is there. <laughs> So everything he is, is there. He's there. How can he be in you? How can he be in me? How can he be in everybody that believes in him at the same time? Well, how does he keep all his world spinning and all these stars shining? And he's God. The power? We, we haven't begun to touch. What kind of power are we talking about? He upholds all things by the word of his power. Those that are learning some of these things talk about, they see the small, small components of existence and creation and energy. But the question is, what keeps them together? Why do the atoms spin around? Why do they, are they cohesive? What keeps it all from just flying apart? There's a scripture for that. He upholds all things by the word of his power. His power is keeping your atoms together. His power is keeping the planets together. We've got a lot of supposedly intelligent people, so I don't believe all that. I don't have to believe in that. Well, what's doing it? They can offer you a pitiful theory. A theory is something that hasn't been proven. 
It's a theory. I'll take a belief over a theory. Go to Colossians, please. Colossians 1, 26. The mystery that has been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints. Who's it made manifest? Are you one of his saints? Saint is not about your performance and how well you've acted. You've been made holy by the blood of the Lamb. Keep reading. To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is the mystery? What is the riches of the glory? It is Christ in you. And that is the hope of glory. Somebody say Christ in me. The hope of glory. He's the power of God. He's the wisdom of God. He's the glory of God. And he is in me. Do you think Jesus is amazing? Do you? Is he awesome? Huh? Is he wonderful beyond words? Is he? Is he? Is all wisdom and power and glory wrapped up in him? Is everything in him? And what else? And what else? He. (laughs) Everything you believe about him is in you. Because he is in you. So how can you be so amazed with him and so disgusted with you? When he is in you. How can you be so pitiful and rotten and nothing if he is in you? Don't get so caught up in the clay pot. In the earthware. Quit focusing on the earthenware. Quit focusing on the clay pot. The clay pot's not going to get better. (laughs) We can believe God for healing. We can believe God for the sustenance and strength. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But it is aging. And it is mortal. And it, it, it doesn't... What it really needs is not fixing it needs transforming. <laughs> now we'll take fixing to get us through this life, but ultimately it needs more than healing. And that's coming. And it's coming by the power that's in you. <laughs> no, you didn't get that. You didn't, you didn't get that. I'm, I'm going to read it to you, though. I'm going to read it to you. Skip on down to the 29th verse of Colossians while you're there. Colossians 1. Well, we read Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let me read 28. I, I skipped it. Whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. This is the mystery. You're in him and he's in you. Now, if you want more on this, go to John 17 sometime 
and read that prayer that Jesus prayed, he repeatedly talked about being in the Father and the Father being in him and him being in us and us being in him. And of all the prayers that Jesus prayed, we don't have most of them. But this one was recorded a huge chunk of it. It's because it was so vital that we have it throughout the generations. Said out loud, I'm in him. I'm in him. And he's in me. And he's in me. <laughs> that makes you something. I said that makes you something. Because of who's in you. And what, that's what makes you something. But again, it's not just the power in you. And it's not my power. You know, you'll hear some some cults and, and false teachings talk about you have to access your power. Your power that you have in you. Baloney. <laughs> All the power you can work up in you would be like a half a firecracker that just fizzled. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm tell- it ain't enough to get you through. <laughs> but his power. His power in you. Now that's more than enough. Way more than enough. Keep reading verse 29. Whereunto I also labor, striving how? According to his working, which what? Works in me mightily. The Amplified says, I labor, striving with all the superhuman energy which he so mightily enkindles and works within me. Now, how many scriptures do we need before we begin to be completely convinced and fully persuaded that power is in us? Can you see why the Lord would have us on this? We've been weak in this. We've been weak. God's got power. Oh, God's got power. Maybe a few special anointed ones have tapped into a little power. But me, <laughs> little old me, well, I do good to make it through the day. That ain't funny. That ain't funny. You're contradicting what the scripture says. You're acting like there's nothing in you but you. Are you born again? Yes. Huh? Yes. Is he in you? Yes. Then his power is in you. And his power works in you. And it can work in you mightily. Mightily. Somebody say mightily. 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 Go to Romans the 8th chapter please. Get ready to shout some more. Romans 8. Oh, hallelujah. I got the power in me. Said it wrong again. (laughs) I have his power in me. Oh, hallelujah. His mighty powers in me. His mighty power. Works in the nighttime. His mighty power works in my body. His mighty power works in my mind. His mighty power works all the time. 
Works all the time. It works in the bedroom. And the bathroom too. It works in the living room. All day till my work is through. It works on the way there. And it works on the way back. And oh how it rises. When there's any kind of attack. It's working. It's working. His mighty power is working. It's working. It's working. It's working in me. Yes and amen. He's working. He's working. Preach about power. Talk about power. Just like when you preach on the new birth, you have manifestations of power. In the Romans 8th chapter and the 10th verse, let's get some more. Let's get some more. I think I need to back up a little bit, though. This is so rich. This chapter is so full of what we're talking about. He said, verse 8, he'd been talking about being carnally minded or being spiritually minded. Well, being carnally minded is only thinking about natural things. Being spiritually minded is thinking about spiritual things. To be carnally minded is death. That's why so many people are busted and disgusted. That's all they think about. And it's just failure after failure and weakness after weakness. And who, who doesn't get tired of that? But to be spiritually minded is life. Quickening. Somebody say quickening. Quickening. And peace. Peace helps you relax. Glory to God. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now that's another way of telling us when you're in the flesh and you're just carnally minded, you're not in faith. Because we know it's faith that pleases God. You're walking by sight. Because all you're looking at is what I know, what I can do, what you can do, limited to the outside. And if you're in the flesh, you can't please God. Now one thing that wouldn't please him is he's right here. And not able to help you. Got the answer. Is the answer. And not able. How many understand a parent. Their child is flailing. Just in terrible situation. Not even eating enough. Because of of lack and poverty financially. And you're the parent. You're a multi-billionaire. But you can't help them. They won't let you help them. They won't come to you. They won't listen to you. They won't let you in. Would that not would that displease you? That's part of this too. It displeases him when he can't. Somebody said, "Well, he's God; he can do anything he wants to." And when you say it like that, that's not true. He's not going to violate his word. And if he said it's up to you, then you can't turn around and say, "Well, no, it's really up to him." He's not going to violate what he said. 
Verse 9. But you're not in the flesh. He's talking to believers. The saints at Rome. Like the saints in Branson. and Saints at Sarasota. And saints wherever you're watching from. You're not in the flesh. Somebody say, I'm not in the flesh. I'm in the spirit. Why would you be in the spirit? If so be that the spirit of God dwells. Where? Where? In you. Can you see? People have, have said they believe this and they say amen, but it hasn't been real. That he's really in me. He didn't just visit. Dwell means he lives there. He lives there. The Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. If you've been born again, his Spirit is in you. That's what happened when you were born again. Now, the Spirit also comes upon you. That's a topic for another time. But if you've been born again, the Spirit of Christ is in you. God is love. And that love's been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit. You're born of God, and you're in Him, and He's in you. Keep reading verse 10. If Christ be in you, He keeps talking about Him being in you. How many are persuaded? Are you born again? Yes. Are you a child of God? Yes. Is the Spirit of Christ in you? Yes. If the Spirit of Christ is not in you, you're not born again. You're none of His. You can't have it both ways. I've had people say, well, I'm not, I'm not a saint. Then you're an ain't. <laughs> ain't saved. Ain't, no, you're either a saint or an ain't. <laughs> is Christ in you? Then if He's in you, the body is dead because of sin. That's why it keeps aging. It's mortal clay pot. Earthenware. But the Spirit, and in fact, I don't know that that should have been a capital S here. That's punctuation by the, the, the guys that wrote it. But the Spirit is life, and other translations say alive. Because of righteousness. What he's saying is, your body is still dead. It didn't get born again. But your spirit, which is in your body, is alive because you've been made righteous in him because of your faith in the gospel. And Christ is in you. Come on, somebody say, Christ is in me. He is in me. If you didn't get anything else tonight, which I believe you could, but please get this, please get this. Christ in you. The hope of glory. He is in me. Somebody say, the anointed one is in me. He's in me. He's in me. He's in me. You couldn't say it too much. You need to say it tonight when you go home. You need to get up saying it in the morning. He's in me. He's in me. If he's in you, his anointing is in you. His power is in you. His wisdom is in you. That don't make you God. That don't make you omniscient. But everything he is, he could manifest some of it in you. He could reveal some of it into you. Because it's all in there. He's there. He's there with all that he is. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him. Who's in you. That raised up Jesus from the dead. Dwell in you. Now how many times has he said he's in you? 
Just in the last few verses, three or four times. He's in you. Why? Because the devil does not want you to get this. He wants you, if you hear it and shout at it, as long as you forget about it, as soon as you leave, go out these doors. Are you going to forget about it? No. Are you going to be a hearer only? No. A forgetful hearer? No. Say, he's in me. He's in me. He's in me. If that spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead is going to do what? Quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Let me read this to you from another translation. The Young's literal translation says, If the spirit of him who did raise up Jesus out of the dead does dwell in you, he who did raise up the Christ out of the dead shall quicken also your dying bodies. There's a difference between dead and dying. Which is why the King James used the word mortal. People say, well, let's just talk about you being raised from the dead, not that you being dead. If you're dead, you're not dying. You done did die. <laughs> and now you're done dead. Your body, your body is, not you, but your body is. This, you see this with other scriptures, yes, this has application to you being raised from the dead, but it has application to something that's happening right now, too. You can experience, you're not going to experience the full resurrection power now in this life, not until that time comes and that happens, but you can taste of the powers of the world to come. You can experience some quickening in this mortal body. It ain't dead yet. It's mortal. It's dying. But you need and I need some quickening to help us get along from day to day and to make it through our whole course. Somebody say quickening, 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 quickening. Ah. If the spirit of him that raised Jesus out from the dead does dwell in you. Now we need to get this settled. Does he or does he not? Does he? Is he or is he not? In you. Who's in you? The spirit of the anointed one is in you. Now his body is physically at the right hand of the father. But his spirit can be all over. Don't ask me to explain all that, but <laughs> His Spirit is in you, That's right. and in me, mm-hmm. and in believers in Australia. Come on, are you listening to me? And everywhere on the planet at the same time. Who is in us? Who's in you? Who's in you? Read the verse. What Spirit is in you? The Spirit. That came in the tomb. On the third day. Come on are y'all with me. Jesus body was laying there. Cold and stiff. And his spirit was not in it. But the angels came down. And rolled the stone away. Hallelujah. And the spirit of God. The spirit of glory. Moved over him. As his body lay on that stone. 
And his body was quickened by the creator of the universe. Oh, come on, say hallelujah. His body, if you'd have had eyes to see it, how many understand there was something happening beyond a molecular level? Inside, he was not raised from the dead or healed from his injuries. He cannot die. His body is immortal. Come on, are you listening? His body cannot age, cannot decay. It is incorruptible, immortal, 1 Corinthians 15 talks about. And the Bible says the very same thing that happened to his body is going to happen to your body and going to happen to my body. And our body is going to be just like his. The spirit that moved over him and quickened his body so that it raised up. How many believe his body was laying there cold, stiff, dead? And the spirit of God manifested in that tomb. And what happened? Jesus' spirit came and re-entered his body, and that body set up. And that body stood up. Come on, are y'all with me? And that body walked out of that tomb. Who did that? Who did that? Who did the spirit? The spirit of God, also called the spirit of glory. The spirit of him. If the spirit of him who did raise Jesus out of the dead does dwell in you. Is it true that the spirit that was in that tomb that raised him from the dead is in me right here, right now? Is that true? Is that true? (laughs) That same spirit. If that's so, somebody say, it's so. Everybody needs to say it out loud. It's so. He said, if it is, then he who did raise up the Christ out of the dead shall quicken also your dying bodies through his spirit. How many know he does not have to keep saying he's dwelling in you? He's dwelling in you. He's in you. He's dwelling in you. But he knew we needed to hear it because of how far we'd be from it if we didn't get our mind renewed and believe in him. Oh, somebody say glory to God. Say it out loud, the spirit of him. That raised Christ from the dead. The same Spirit. Lives in me. Dwells in me. Quickens. My mortal body. He quickens. My mortal body. Now in closing I think. Go to Philemon. When we begin to touch in. To what's already happening. But the key to more of this, his spirit manifesting in our lives. Philemon, just one chapter in Philemon. And the sixth verse. Philemon 6 says that the communication of your faith, anybody familiar with this verse around here of late? And when... I instructed folks to get a hold of that verse for the Faith for Life classes. I had no idea I'd be talking about this tonight. But the Lord knew. This is where we're headed. We were headed, I should say, to this. 
and, and why he keeps emphasizing it to us. That the communication of your faith may become effectual by the what? By the acknowledging. Who's going to do this acknowledging? Who? Who? Acknowledging. The word acknowledge, sometimes translated confess, acknowledge, testify. Do we need to acknowledge what? Every good thing, which is where? Which is where? Which is where? Which is in you, in Christ. I didn't see it till tonight. I didn't see it till tonight. That's one of the big emphasis of the Faith for Life classes. What do people need to know? What do you need to know? Whether you've been saved for 30 years or you just got saved last week. Whether you're dealing with a money problem or a health problem or a marriage problem. What do you need to know? What do you need to know? You don't need to pray heaven down. You don't need to climb the highest mountain and cross the widest ocean. You don't need 100,000 people to help you out. You don't need the spiritual ones to spend, you know, five days counseling you and doing this and that. Thank God for people that can help you. What do you need to find out? You need to find out who is in you and what's in you. Hallelujah. And what will help you is other people fellowshipping in faith, acknowledging what they found out was in them. What helped them through this and helped them through that. And they realize I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can. We are overcomers. Because greater. Greater. Is who? Who? First John 4, 4. Is that what it says? Greater is he that does what? Greater is he that is. In you. Have we seen enough scripture to convince us that he's in us? Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. What do we need to do? We need to acknowledge him. The Bible said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Do we need to go, be going around all the time, whether we say it out loud or not, thinking he's in me. He's in me. What am I going to do? The one who knows what to do is in me. And he'll show me. How can I make it through this? The one who can make it through anything is in me. Right? He's in me. He's in me. You, then you don't have to run around to people and beg them, please help me, please help me. No, you got, if they help you, it's because they got something from him. And the same one that helped you through them is already in you. That's right. Yeah. And as you grow up, you learn, I don't have to go through other folks. I don't have to get it through other folks. I can get it straight from him. He's in me. I can get the help I need. I can get the strength I need straight from him. I can get the answers I need because he's in me. He's in me. He's in me. Same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in me. And what else is he doing? He will quicken. He will quicken your body. How many believe if he'd quicken your body, he'd quicken your mind? Would he quicken different parts of your life as you need it? Stand on your feet, everybody. Let's do some acknowledging. Let's do some acknowledging. Oh, hallelujah. Just stand up.
Let's lift up our hands. Oh, Father, we worship you. We worship you. The Lord reminded me of an experience that Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr., who's in heaven now, my, my father in the faith, had some years ago. He, uh, by, his, this is by his own admission, he said he made some mistakes as far as the plan of God and had some physical issues and what have you that he opened the door to. And uh, he sought the Lord about healing. He actually fell quite ill. And he said the Lord spoke to him and said, uh, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit so that I don't get into, that he hadn't emphasized the anointing that was on him and in his life like he should. He said, so this time, this is how you're going to get healed. He said, lay your own hands on yourself. <laughs> he said, this is how you're going to get healed this time. Don't need somebody to pray for you. Don't need somebody else to come lay your hands. Do you have the same spirit in you that would be in the one that's laying hands on you? Now, thank God for special anointings. Thank God for everything that helps us. I'm not knocking that. You know that. We practice it. But do you not have the same spirit? Hmm? In you. So Brother Hagin said he was... If you've heard the story, he said, I was sick as a horse. I said, what does that mean? Horse is big. (laughs) Sick, big. He said, I'm quoting him. He said, I felt like I'd have to get better to die. (laughs) And he said, the Lord said to him, this is how you're going to get healed this time. He said, lay your hands on yourself. Hallelujah. So he laid his hands on himself and began to focus on that anointing. He said when he did, he began to sense that anointing ministering to his body. Hallelujah. And healing him. Didn't the Bible say believers? Didn't you say apostles and prophets? What did it say? Believers would lay hands on the sick. And they shall. How could it be that any believer could do it unless it was that every believer has the spirit in them? How, How could that not be? There are special calls and anointings and ministries. And yet every believer, any believer can do this. So lay your hands on yourself right now. Come on, everybody. Lay your hands on yourself. Oh, hallelujah. It's already begun. It's already begun. Acknowledge it. Confess it. Say it out loud. His power is in me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is living in me right now. That healing power That quickening power is already in me. In Jesus' name, I believe I receive it into my body, into my organs, into my glands, into my blood, into my bones. In Jesus' name, I believe I receive. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. 
If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.